Hello and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the one and only Mr. Kruger. Mr. Kruger was played by the late, great Daniel Von Bargen, who first appeared in the classic season nine episode, The Slicer. He would go on to appear in three more episodes of Seinfeld, becoming one of the greatest bosses in the entire series. Oh, absolutely. And there really are so many amazing bosses throughout the series. And we already discussed Steinbrenner a while back and we'll eventually have an episode dedicated to every boss on the series. Mr. Lippman will have an episode, Mr. Peterman, Mr. Pitt. The list goes on and on. But this week we'll be discussing Mr. Kruger. And I really thought he was one of the highlights of the ninth season. I know the ninth season doesn't get a ton of love from Seinfeld fans, but the way I look at it, you still had iconic episodes like The Serenity Now, The Strike, The Merv Griffin Show, to name a few. There was also the return of David Putty, who we already dedicated an episode to. And after George stopped working for the Yankees, you figure he's never going to have a boss better than Steinbrenner. And then along comes Mr. Kruger, who definitely is in the conversation for best boss. I think I'd personally put Peterman and Steinbrenner slightly ahead of him just because they've been in more episodes. But Kruger isn't far behind. And I think if someone were to tell me that Kruger is their favorite boss. I wouldn't argue that at all. Just an outstanding character. Yeah, he really is. You got to love Mr. Kruger. And the fact that he's only in four episodes in the last season, and he makes that much of an impact because there are a lot of uh, you know memes and gifts online, especially, oh, damn, I locked myself out of my office again. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm going home. You know, I think he really is a character that a lot of people can relate to. And you know, you had uh, the the guy from Play Now, Mr. Thomas Solo. I mean, he was great, but it very short-lived. And then right after, you have this Kruger guy who just comes in like a wrecking ball into the ninth season. <laughs> and we'll get into it, but wow, just some of the stuff, the scenes, he's hysterical. Oh, absolutely. Now, Kruger is the president of Kruger Industrial Smoothing. And from what we can tell, it doesn't seem like he really cares about his job. And he tends to focus on other things that don't really have anything to do with work. And we'll go through all those examples as we discuss the episodes he was in. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you if you had any theories as to how he even became president of his own company in the first place. Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny because, yeah, obviously we'll get into it, but he just seems so he just seems like he doesn't want to have anything to do with that company or anything to have to do with work. And it's always a bad news. You know, boy, we took it on the chin this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so. I think, honestly, that it's a company that's been around for a long time, because if you look, you look at the location, you look at the sets and, you know, if you're familiar with New York, you know, not every office has like these big open spaces with these windows overlooking the park. So it's most likely a company that's been around for a long time. Kramer knows right off the top of his head the name of the company. You know, that's not Kruger Industrial Smoothing. They botched (laughs) the Statue of Liberty job, couldn't get the green stuff off. So if they're getting a contract to get, try to get the green stuff off the Statue of Liberty, they obviously have some sort of reputation. So it's most likely a family company. And perhaps, you know, Mr. Kruger was the son or was the one that was supposed to inherit it or nobody else was interested. And he kind of got it and sort of just fumbled his way through. And then eventually he sort of failed upwards and they said, Oh, we'll just keep, you know, sounds like he's in line for another promotion. And eventually he, <laughs> became the head of the company and now it's sort of coming to a head and we're getting to this point and another thing that i noticed too was kruger is what george would be as a boss 
That's a great call. Yeah, I think we'll go into a little more detail about it later, but that's just sort of a seed that I had wanted to plant. Yeah, and the theory I have is a little darker. I actually think that Kruger might be a widower. And maybe he was a really successful businessman at one point, but ever since he lost his wife, he hasn't really been motivated to work. And the only thing he really cares about is joking around and having fun in the office just to get his mind off of other things in his life. And we'll get into more specific examples later on, but I just wanted to throw that theory out there as well. Yeah, that's a great one. Another thing I thought of, too, is perhaps Kruger going off the vein of, you know, maybe he didn't want to actually do this and he was sort of forced into this position. And you look at episodes like The Burning or The Maid, where he's more interested in sort of like being performative and, you know, perhaps he wanted to be an actor, a performer of some sort instead, and, you know, always wanted to live in New York and be, you know, live this sort of lifestyle. But then now that he has his own company, it's kind of like he sees it as a, you know, Kruger theater almost. Yeah, it's like his platform. I could see him wanting to be like a stand-up comedian or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like he's the director and he sees all the people that work for him as actors and actresses. Right. But as we mentioned, the first episode that he appears in is The Slicer. George is being interviewed by Kruger. And Kruger says, your background is impressive, George, but how does it apply to what we do here at Kruger Industrial Smoothing? Well, at the Yankees, it was all about smoothing things over, you know, chiseling away, grinding down. In fact, we used to call it the grind. <laughs> it says here you worked at Play Now for four days. That should be a 14. I mean, just. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, George, I'll be honest, I could go either way on you. But what the hell? We need someone. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, won't regret this, sir. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> What an introduction. And then as they're leaving, George spots that amazing picture from the boombox incident. Yeah, which it's kind of interesting. Before we get into that real quick, the Kruger, despite all of his flaws and despite him seeing just being this kind of, you know, given up sort of man, he did or does care about his family. You know, it looks like they had some good times and he has lots of pictures of them, which would tie into your theory about maybe him being a widower. Maybe that was a trip that happened, you know, a long time ago. And now his kids are grown and they don't deal with him anymore. I also think Kruger lives on Long Island because if George was at the same beach as him, chances are it was somewhere on Long Island. But then we cut to Monks where George is explaining the boombox incident to Jerry and Kramer. Summer of 89, I'm at the beach. This family sets up next to me. I go into the surf. When I come out, my clothes, my towel, my umbrella, they're all gone. I am furious. I start screaming at these kids, demanding my stuff back, and then I finally lose it. I grab their boombox and I chuck it into the ocean. Seems reasonable. And I see my clothes floating out there. The tide took them out, not the kids. Even more reasonable. So now the father is screaming at me. He's demanding that I pay for the boombox. So finally I gave him a fake address and I got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy is your new boss? Until that stupid photo jogs his memory. <laughs> <laughs> and like you mentioned, we also learn in the scene that Kruger Industrial Smoothing is in a very good company. They botched the Statue of Liberty job. And this could have been another turning point for Kruger. Like maybe he was just so humiliated after this experience that he lost faith in himself. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if it was that well known, although Kramer does have many associates. <laughs> so perhaps Lomez or uh, Jay Riemenschneider filled him in on it. 
I like when George is like, it is a horrible company. There is no management whatsoever. I could go hog wild in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's probably one of the few times that George is distraught actually not getting a job. There's a lot of times, you know, especially if you go back to something like the boyfriend, he just wants an extension on his unemployment. He's looking, (laughs) listening for work. But this time it's a place he knows that is so disorganized. You know, this guy's even more clueless than Steinbrenner. Like, (laughs) I need to get in here. (laughs) Kramer then suggests getting the photo airbrushed. Remember that photo of me and Gerald Ford? Took that Ford right out of there. (laughs) (laughs) And George is getting excited. He's like, oh, this is good. This Kruger guy is clueless. I can't wait to work for him. (laughs) (laughs) It took nine years, but it's looking like George finally met the boss he was destined to work for. I think in a sense he met himself. And I think they see a lot of himself in each other. Uh, One question I did have for you. Do you think that there's any uh, bald solidarity going on there? Because Kruger does say, and I could go either way on you, but he sees George and he says, oh, another baldy. Ah, that's a great point. I never thought of that. Right? just came to me (laughs) (laughs) i love the scene when george is at the photo store and the guy airbrushed kruger out of the photo instead of him and the guy's like you really lost a lot of hair (laughs) i am aware (laughs) (laughs) and then also later on when he goes back to the photo store and the guy replaced mr kruger with that drawing oh i love that (laughs) i had to draw that guy from memory (laughs) this is a cartoon (laughs) I need a photograph. Then you better get a camera. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is great, by the way. Oh, yeah. Another wonderful one-off character. Yeah. In the Seinfeld universe. But yeah, that cartoon, every time, it's just, oh, it's so great. I like when Jerry's like, he looks like a Peanuts character. <laughs> but that reminds me of Neil and the English Patient. Maybe it's some small thing I could change, like a mustache or wearing a top hat or a monocle or a cane. She dating Mr. Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> she could do a lot worse than Mr. Peanut, my friend. <laughs> but George is explaining to Jerry that the only way to fix the photo now is to get a whole new photo of Kruger. Well, you can do that. Without his shirt on? Can't do that. <laughs> and then we get this great callback to the revenge, which I just love. Well, maybe Kruger wasn't the place for you. He seems so disorganized. I understand. What about the Coast Guard? Seems like there's a lot of pride there, a lot of tradition. True. You mean for you? You think? What about your seasickness? Maybe I could be a land guy. I don't think they have land guys. Someone's got to unhook the boat before it leaves the place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Oh, I love how Jerry can just get George in the right spot and get him going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then when George hears that Dr. Siderides did a skin cancer screening at Peterman, he gets the idea that she can do on a Kruger. So I set up a screening. Everyone takes their shirt off and click. I snap me a shot of a bare chested Kruger. You got a thing for this fellow? <laughs> <laughs> that also reminds me of what do you think you were flirting with him? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the cancer screening at Kruger. George is giving Dr. Siderides a camera. Mr. Kruger will be down in a minute. He wanted to take a photo for the record. His personal file. (laughs) I don't ask. (laughs) 
The funny but part it, is, too, if Kruger questioned it, I bet George could say, like, oh, no, sir, it's for your personal file. Be like, oh, all right, whatever. Yeah, I guess exactly. I have a personal file now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing? We're just making personal files for people? <laughs> <laughs> okay, works for me. <laughs> but, of course, Jerry ruins everything when he shows up at Kruger to confront Sidiridis about his hives. Come on, Sidiridis, cop to it. What kind of perverted science do you practice? Are you suggesting I somehow infected you on purpose? I want the antidote, Pipple Popper. <laughs> and of course, just as Sidiridis is storming off, Kruger shows up for his screening. Hey, George. Hey, Doc. <laughs> we doing a screening in here or? Oh, yeah. Right this way. <laughs> so perfect that Kramer is wearing the butcher's coat. So Kruger just assumes he's the doctor. I love when the stories come together like that. Oh, yeah, that's so great. No matter how many times I've seen this, it just each time makes me go, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love the fact that Kruger comes in and thinks, you know, anybody standing there with a white coat. Oh, well, this must be the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And then George is all excited. Kramer, this is perfect. And you should go in there, pretend you're a doctor and check this guy for moles. Moles. Yes. Freckles, ugly cousin. And uh, just get a picture of him with the shirt off. You're really cooking up a little scheme here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that Elaine and Kramer both get to make a comment about George taking a picture of a bare-chested Kruger. Yeah. <laughs> and I love before Kramer enters the room, he's got to get, like, into character. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when Kramer's pretending to be Dr. Van Nostrand in the package, and he borrows Elaine's scarf. Yeah. Just to get a little bit more into character. <laughs> And then we get this fantastic scene between Kramer and Mr. Kruger. And I think I want to play this clip because this is probably my favorite scene from the episode. So let's listen. Male mammal, uh, approximately 30 to 60 years of age. Uh, weight, oh, indeterminate. Okay, uh, Mr. Kruger, uh, we're going to take a photo now for the record. So if you'll uh, stand up, please give me a uh, big smile. Oh, no, 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 not that, that big. Yeah, that's, that's nice, yes. Okay. Yes, let's have a look-see. Okay, uh, so, uh, fiber from shirt on left shoulder. I have to keep my eye on that. How long have you been doing this, Dr. Van Nostrand? Oh, long, long time. Yes, I've seen moles so big they have their own moles. Freckles that cover two men. So how am I looking? Oh, so far, so good. I really owe you one. George, we got a problem. What? Well, he's got a mole on his shoulder. Very suspicious. So tell him you're concerned about it. He should see somebody else. George, why would I, a Juilliard-trained dermatologist, send him to another doctor? Because you're not a dermatologist. Oh, but he thinks I am, and I'm not going to betray that trust. Now, here's what I want to do. I think I can get a section, then I'll go down whoa, to whoa, the lab. Whoa, whoa. A so section? If I, yeah, if I can grab my slicer, and if he holds still... No, I can... no you're taking a deli slicer to my boss? It'll be ultra-thin. He'll barely feel it. No, absolutely oh, not! Well, it's my medical opinion that you're making a big mistake, and it's going in my chart. 
First of all, I just love the opening line when he's like, male mammal, approximately 30 to 60 years of age. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. It's just absurd. No, no doctor would say that. <laughs> Wait till indeterminate. <laughs> what does that mean? Or when he asks him to take a picture, he's like, oh, no, 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 not, not that big. <laughs> Oh, I love this. I love the faces that Daniel Von Bargen makes. That's another great part of his character. Just that cheesy smile that he has. Like, yeah. <laughs> he looks like a little kid in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> There's also fiber from shirt on left shoulder. I have to keep an eye on that. <laughs> the writers were definitely having so much fun with this scene. Like, how many ridiculous things can we have Kramer say to make it very obvious that he's not a doctor? Right. <laughs> and Kruger only questions it the one time, like, well, how long have you been a doctor? But after all, he just kind of accepts it. <laughs> he doesn't, yeah. you know. But he asks him in a way that he's almost impressed with what he's seen so far. He's not like. He's not interrogating him. Right, right. Yeah, he's not interrogating him about not being a doctor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's almost like he's fascinated by by him and he wants to know more. Right, yeah, maybe he has, like, an unorthodox style. And uh, we'll see that kind of playing in when we talk about the strike as well with Festivus. Yeah. But Kramer was able to pull it off. The photo was all fixed and back on Kruger's desk, no thanks to Jerry. But Kramer is still worried about Kruger's mole and he wants to come clean. I don't want this on my conscience. (laughs) But George tells him he will get Kruger to see a real doctor. You just stay out of it. (laughs) (laughs) But Kramer is a Juilliard-trained dermatologist, so... That's true. And then we cut to Kruger Industrial Smoothing for the final scene of this episode, and this is another great scene. George, come on in. I'm just going over our annual report. Boy, did we take it on a chin last year. Uh, Listen, Mr. Kruger, I got a message from Dr. Van Nostren. He says uh, it might be wise for you to see another doctor about that mole. I'm not too worried about it. Well, he said it could be cancerous. Maybe you should have it checked out. George, take a look at this photo. This was taken 10 years ago. That mole looks exactly as it does today. (laughs) So, there's no cause for concern, huh? Whatever. Actually, funny thing about this photo, we were at the beach, and there was this dumb-looking guy nearby. When he went in for a swim, my sons and I took all his stuff and threw it in the ocean. (laughs) What a pear-shaped loser. Well, that pear-shaped loser was me. And I was in that photo until I broke in here, stole the photograph, and airbrushed myself out of it. Well, I'll be... You have lost a lot of hair. (laughs) That's what they tell me. Just a great first episode for Mr. Kruger, and I really thought they did a great job of establishing the character right away. By the end of the episode, you really feel like you know him so well, and you can't wait to see more of him. Oh, I agree 100%. And I wonder at the end there, talking about Kruger's reactions to things, when George admits what happened, he seems almost impressed with him. Yeah. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's like, oh, I'll be Boy, you have lost a lot of hair. <laughs> That's what but they tell me. <laughs> but 
but he just seems like he was impressed. Wow, you went through all that trouble to make sure that I didn't know about it. And it almost seems like Kruger kind of knew maybe on some level. And he just puts on this face of like being a completely clueless, you know, doesn't, oh, I don't know anything. But in reality, he was wise to George's tricks and just wanted to see how far George would take it. Yeah, that's a good call. And I like when Jerry's like, I can't believe Kruger didn't fire you after all you did. And George is like, he said he didn't care. God, I love that place. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does seem that Kruger does know how to push George's buttons. And we'll see that more in the upcoming episodes we're going to talk about. But it's almost like it's interesting right away. You know, Kruger says the thing about George being a pear-shaped loser. And George just loses it. He doesn't even go, eh, you know, to... So in other circumstances, you might just kind of laughed it off or not said anything, yeah. you know, but in this case, Kruger just got him to explode. And I wonder if this is one of those scenarios where Kruger was supposed to be a one and done character, but they enjoyed Daniel's performance so much that they decided to make him a regular because George was at play now for a short amount of time. So maybe the original idea was just to have him going from job to job and he just keeps getting fired. But the fact that it went so well with daniel in this episode maybe they were like no i think we'll stick with kruger yeah that's true i mean the casting is just incredible he he's an amazing guy and unfortunately we lost him a few years ago yeah um so he's somebody else wouldn't have a chance to talk to anymore um another thing i'm thinking too is that perhaps and i know this happened with other things in the ninth season the writers had ideas of like oh we should do this recurring joke of like you know, something like this and something like that happens in each episode or every few episodes. And maybe it was a combination of they liked Daniel Von Bargen's performance so much and they ran out of ideas or like sort of said, well, maybe we can take some of these ideas and just put them onto Kruger instead of trying to introduce a new boss every time. Yeah, that makes sense. But I'm so glad they did because, my God, what a phenomenal character. Oh, yeah, me too. So the next episode is probably the most famous episode Kruger appears in, and that is, of course, the strike. George has to give Christmas presents to everyone down at Kruger, so he's pulling a Watley. A donation has been made in your name to the Human Fund. What is that? Made it up. <laughs> the Human Fund. Money for people. What do you think? It has a certain understated stupidity. <laughs> I want Josie Wales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I love how if you look at it, it's literally just a green card with a few sentences written on it. Yeah. No logo or any kind of design or anything like that. Like, George just puts zero effort into it. Right. And then in the next scene, George is handing out his gift to everyone down at Kruger. Oh, Sandy, here is a little something for you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Phil, love those cigars. Incoming. How? He just flings it into Phil's office. So obnoxious. I know. (laughs) And these people have given him like nice gifts. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love when he gives one to Mr. Kruger and he tells him Merry Christmas. And he's like, not if you could see our books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great little running gag that they have with Kruger. Like I said, where, you know, he's always talking about how bad the company's doing. You know, (laughs) not if you can see our books. And yeah, I think that. You know, there's a little bit of realism to that where perhaps he was working at the company when it was doing really well and everybody was always saying, oh, look how great we're doing. Then he took over and it just died. Yeah. Or maybe it was dying before he took over and then, oh, here you go. 
<laughs> right, exactly. And then later on, we get another great scene with George and Kruger. Kruger tells George that he's supposed to find a charity and throw some of the company's money at it. And they all seem the same to him. So naturally, he writes George a check for $20,000 made out to the human fund. <laughs> <laughs> and then we mentioned it briefly. But right after this, we get that great scene when he locks himself out of his office again. Well, I'm going home. <laughs> and one of the perks of being the boss. <laughs> we then cut to Monks where George is showing Jerry the check. $20,000 from Kruger. You're not keeping this. I don't know. Excuse me? I've been doing a lot of thinking. This might be my chance to start giving something back. You want to give something back? Start with the $20,000. <laughs> I think I could be a philanthropist. A kick-ass philanthropist. <laughs> I really think this is one of the worst things George ever did in the entire series. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And that's saying a lot, too. Yeah, really? Because <laughs> you know he wasn't going to start a charity with that money. <laughs> no way. He wants to parlay it. He wants to make a big score. Oh, you mean you want to lose it. <laughs> but George's dreams of becoming a kick-ass philanthropist soon come to an end when he gets called into Kruger's office for this classic scene. George, we've got a problem. There's a memo here from accounting telling me there's no such thing as the human fund. <laughs> well, there could be. There isn't. Well, I, I could um, I could give the money back. Yeah. George, I don't get it. If there's no human fund, those donation cards were fake. You better have a damn good reason why you gave me a fake Christmas gift. Well, sir, I, I gave out the fake card because um, I don't really celebrate Christmas. I, um, I celebrate... Festivus. Feminist. Festivus, sir. And uh, I was afraid that I would be persecuted for my beliefs. They drove my family out of Bayside, sir. Are you making all this up, too? Oh, no, sir. Festivus is all too real, and I could prove it if I have to. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> so a few things about this scene. First of all, I love George's reaction when Kruger tells him there's no such thing as the human fund. <laughs> just a classic costanza reaction it reminds me of the red dot when he's like was that wrong should i not right. have done that <laughs> yeah he's looking through his memory banks for a plausible excuse <laughs> but that's another thing too is george doesn't really fight very hard he has that one excuse well there could be but there isn't and he's just like well i'll give the money back like that he doesn't really put up a, a big fight or try to like come up with some grand lie or scheme and, and then he just falls back on festivus right but when you really think about it george is trying so hard to get fired from kruger i mean first there was the whole incident with the picture now he's trying to steal twenty thousand dollars from the company and yet all kruger seems to care about is that he gave him a fake christmas gift right <laughs> he's really <laughs> offended at that yeah <laughs> nothing about the twenty thousand dollars <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Those donation cards were fake. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so hurt by it, too. Like, you know, there's something real in his voice. Like, this is something that really, you know, cuts him to the bone. Like, okay, George, you know, you can steal my picture. You can do all this stuff to me, you know. I don't care about most things, but when it comes to Christmas, yeah. this is important. 
But I mean, doesn't mention anything about the company at all. You know, taking $20,000 from the company just it completely goes out the window. Harry at H&H Bagels takes his job more seriously than Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm also surprised that Kruger even agrees to go to the Costanza's house for Festivus dinner. I thought George would just tell him about Festivus and he'd be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I found surprising, too, was the fact that he went so far with it to say, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> George, you know, in his mind is probably just seething like, no, please don't make me do this. You have no idea. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. It was an invitation. <laughs> Non-vite. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that he agreed to go to the Costanzas because this is just such a special scene. And another boss that visits the Costanzas. We saw Steinbrenner visit in the caddy. And now this. That's right. Have you seen the pole, Kuga? He doesn't need to see the pole. He's going to see it. <laughs> it's made of aluminum. Very high strength to weight ratio. <laughs> I find your belief system fascinating. <laughs> you think Kruger really found it interesting? I, it seemed like he did. I think he really did. And it makes me wonder if Kruger celebrated Festivus after this episode. Like, did he? Was it something that he started doing on his own every year? You know, whether he had a a family or not, or somebody to celebrate it with. Did he start putting up a pole in his apartment or his house and, uh, you know, start airing grievances? <laughs> That's a great point. And another thing I wanted to point out when Jerry walks in and he's like, did they nail you on the 20 G's? And George is like busted cold. Kruger is standing two feet away, <laughs> <laughs> but he's so fascinated by Frank's belief system that I don't even think he hears it. Right. What's another thought I had about Kruger as well? Maybe he didn't really have much of a childhood. Yeah. And some of the ways that he acts are very childlike. And uh, you'll see that a little bit more in the burning. But this kind of is like Kruger, you know, sort of being the little kid and having, you know, going to somebody's house for Festivus. It's like, I'm going to my friend's house. And even though, you know, even though George isn't really a friend, but it's sort of like this childlike wonderment. And it's maybe something that he didn't have when he was growing up. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention, going back to my theory about how his wife passed, we don't see him bring his wife at this dinner. You think maybe he would bring his wife if she was still around. That's a good point. And he's drinking out of a flask. Right. Which reminds me a lot of Mrs. Ross. And we all know she has her demons. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me think that Kruger might have some demons as well. Oh, absolutely. He's dealing with a lot. <laughs> and I just love the callback when Kruger sees Kramer and he's like, Dr. Van Nostrand. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of that is obviously he either realized it right away or he realized it after because <laughs> Frank says the honor goes to Mr. Kramer and points to Kramer. <laughs> And Kruger's sitting right next to him. <laughs> oh, man. And I love how when Frank starts doing the airing of grievances, he attacks Kruger first, of all people. <laughs> well, like he says, George told him his company stinks. Yeah. You couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't seem like George would be the type, though, to 
vent to his father about how bad the company is. Either. Yeah, I I wrote the same thing down in my notes. I said I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, although maybe it was uh, Kramer that actually told him, and he refers to Kramer as his son, and uh, no, none the wiser. <laughs> that makes more sense for sure. And by the way, another reason for George to get fired. I mean, he's saying bad things about the company, and Kruger still keeps him around. Yep. But I guess that was Kruger's way of getting back at George when he tells Frank that George should do the feats of strength. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one thing about Kruger that he kind of realizes is like, all right, I'm in this crazy situation with this guy, but I know that like punishing him at work, like by just by firing him or doing this isn't going to really be a punishment for him. What I got to do is I got to hit him where it hurts. Yeah. (laughs) And I do think he likes George. I I think he sees himself in George a little bit. Oh, 100 percent. Let's not forget earlier in the episode when George says he called in sick twice in a row. (laughs) we don't care and it shows (laughs) and i think i mentioned this before but if i could be in one scene from the entire series i think this scene would be up there just because you have all four of them at the table frank's in his glory you know estelle's cooking dinner you have mr kruger with his flask of course there's all the behind the scenes stuff with the bloopers i mean it just seemed like that was a really fun scene to be a part of yeah you got the guys from the otb office oh yeah he had to be shot (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just a classic episode for sure and then the next episode we see kruger in is the burning kruger is telling his employees that according to their last quarterly thing kruger industrial smoothing is heading into the red or the black or whatever the bad one is (laughs) (laughs) any thoughts yeah that really just tells you what kind of a boston person kruger is like we get the introduction of it in the slicer, but the burning is really where it shows through. <laughs> and this is where I got a lot of my ideas where Kruger cares more about showmanship and performance. Yeah. And they, you know, they have these really nice offices. If you look at like his office and in, in this scene and with the conference room, all kinds of really like nice decorations and lighting and furniture, all kinds of this great stuff, you know, this sort of facade that they're trying to put up, you know, where at one point it was probably, it matched the uh, the quality of the company, but now it's sort of this, you know, a bygone uh, era. And I also wonder about the kind of people that work there. Like, who are these people? Like, are they like him? Are they like George where they just don't care? They're kind of coasting by, or are they like the underlings trying to save the company? You know, I bust my hump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They do kind of seem like they're all like Mr. Kruger. Yeah, they're not really taking things very seriously, but they all seem to be doing very well for themselves. You know, yeah. Phil could buy a box of cigars for George for Christmas. And, you know, they have all this. And, you know, George is seen as sort of this pariah when he's giving away fake Christmas presents. So yeah. I think there's a certain level of expectations that they have, but it's not for actually getting work done. <laughs> right. But George makes a suggestion. When he's a little strapped, he sometimes drops off his rent check having forgotten to sign it. (laughs) That could buy them some time. Works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that reminds me of the other situation where George, uh, quote unquote, forgot to sign his check when he's paying the sunshine carpet cleaners in the checks. Of course. Guy says, you've got to sign your check. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so that was George's plan in action. Didn't work there. Ah, Great call. Or we don't even send the check. And then when they call, we pretend we have a cleaning service. 
Hello. Hi, sorry. No here, Kruger. Breathe through. <laughs> Silly voices. Come on, people. Let's get real. I love how that's where he draws the line. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to Monks, where George is explaining to Jerry what happened to Kruger. I had him, Jerry. They loved me. And then? I lost him. I could usually come up with a good comment during a meeting, but by the end, it's buried under a pile of gaffes and bad puns. Showmanship, George. When you hit that high note, say goodnight and walk off. <laughs> Do you think this is a comment on the show at all? Because by this point, they had announced that this would be the final season and they were the number one show on television. So they were definitely leaving on a high note. Yeah, that's a great point. It was definitely Jerry's real life philosophy. And I just love that. Uh... He says, that's how they do it in Vegas. You never played Vegas. I hear things. <laughs> <laughs> Another little dig at Jerry's uh, comedy career. Yeah. In the next scene, Kruger is giving his employees some more bad news. The team working on the statue in Lafayette Square kind of oversmoothed it. They ground the head down to about the size of a softball. And that spells trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Makes for a great uh, visual, too. (laughs) (laughs) But then George has an idea. All right. Well, why don't we smooth the head down to nothing, stick a pumpkin under its arm, and change the nameplate to Ichabod Crane. (laughs) All right. That's it for me. Be good, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how as George is leaving, Kruger is laughing so hard. He turns to the guy next to him. He's like, Ichabod Crane. (laughs) He thinks it's so funny. (laughs) George then returns to work the next day, and we get one of our favorite Kruger scenes. Hey! Where is uh, everyone? They're all off the project. They were boring. George, you are my main man. I am? I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But lately, you have just seemed on. And you always leave me wanting more. This is a huge project involving lots of numbers and papers and folders. I'm not too worried about it. Let's get started. Okay. George. Yeah. Check it out. Three times around, no feet. Hmm? All me. All me. I always think of my dad when I see that scene because he always laughs when Kruger's spinning around in the chair. <laughs> yeah, it's this scene that really makes me think of Kruger as like a little kid. He's not taking anything seriously. And, you know, he's playing around with his chair. <laughs> they were boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this also makes me think of how George would be as a boss. He'd be very impetuous if somebody like made him laugh or, you know, really uh, was was entertaining or something at a meeting like George would see that and equate that with a better employee than, you know, the actual work. But later on, George is venting to Jerry about how Kruger doesn't do anything. He disappears for hours at a time, gives him fake excuses, even found him with sleep creases on his face. (laughs) The only reason why George was able to get out of the office was because Kruger promised he'd buckle down and do some actual work. And then George looks over his shoulder and we get that great shot of Mr. Kruger eating that huge piece of chocolate cake. (laughs) Oh, I love that. He looks so happy. (laughs) I love when characters show up at Monk's when it's convenient for the story. Right. (laughs) Because why would he pick Monk's of all places to go? 
<laughs> he doesn't he told unless, George goes there. Unless he knew George was there and George had been leaving on such a high note recently that he just wanted to be around him. That's a good point. Mr. Kruger, who said he was going to do some actual work today? Who? I'm not too worried about it. Well, I am. Couldn't you try going through some of that stuff I put in your shoebox? <laughs> all right, all right, I'm going. <laughs> There's just something so funny about George having a boss who cares less about work than he does. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that was something that they thought of at some point to do, and maybe it was going to be a completely separate boss. But I think it's great that that's what they gave to Kruger, because he's just perfect for that. Oh, yeah. But why do you think George cares so much? Just thinking about that, too. I don't really know why in particular, because it seems like one of those things where you could just pretend to work, you know, just look annoyed all the time and make it seem like he's busy. Yeah. And I wonder what the project even is, because, you know, they botched the Statue of Liberty job. Now they screwed up that statue in Lafayette Square. So what's this new project that they have to work on? You know, is it maybe it's like legal stuff, lawsuits, and they can't afford a lawyer and just have, you know, a bunch of people go through it at Kruger. George is the one that has to look through it. But another thing I thought of is uh, for people that have seen The Office and spoiler alert ahead, but and have seen the Michael Scott paper company arc, there's the scene where Pam is sort of encouraging Michael. You know, Michael wants to start his own company and he's getting discouraged and Pam sort of takes over and is like, OK, well, let's make a list and let's do this and that. And I kind of see parallels with that, where maybe something somehow got triggered in George when he saw Kruger and just saw how lazy and whatever he is. And he just got annoyed at it and said, well, this this won't do. And maybe decided to start doing the opposite again. <laughs> yeah, that that's an interesting theory. I always thought that it was because he loves working there so much and he was afraid that the company was going in the toilet and he didn't want to have to look for another job. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> He seems so disorganized, so he wants to stay there as long as he can. He could go hog wild in there. <laughs> exactly. And then we get another great closing scene here. Once again, it's George and Mr. Kruger in the office. Kruger is throwing a ball against the wall while George is trying to work. And then George finally just loses it. <laughs> Would you mind helping me out with some of this stuff? <laughs> You seem like you got a pretty good handle on it. No, I don't. Don't you even care? This is your company. It's your name on the outside of the building. Speaking of which, the R fell off, and all it says now is K. Uger. K. Uger. That sounds like one of those old-time car horns, huh? K. Uger. K. Uger. <laughs> oh, oh, you are too much, Mr. Kruger. Too much. Thank you, George. You've been great. That's it for me. But, no, no, you're not going out on a high note with me, Mr. Kruger. It's Kruger. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it seems like Rageaholics didn't really work for George. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not quite. He's getting that vein again. The vein. <laughs> and the part in this scene when George is like, "Would you mind helping me with some of this stuff?" If you watch that closely, it looks like Daniel actually jumps at that part. <laughs> I think George probably wasn't as explosive during rehearsals, and then he took it up a notch for the live show. I could say that. But just another great scene, and it makes me sad that we only have one more episode left with Mr. Kruger. Or Hey Uger! <laughs> <laughs> and that episode, of course, is The Maid. 
And to set it all up, we start with Jerry and George at Monk's. George is thinking about changing his name. Well, Jerry, I've been thinking. I've gone as far as I can go with George Costanza. Is this the suicide talk or the nickname talk? The nickname. George, (laughs) what is that? It's nothing. It's got no snap, no zip. I need a nickname that makes people light up. You mean like Liza? (laughs) I was thinking T-Bone. But there's no T in your name. How about G-Bone? Isn't G-Bone. Is a G-Spot. That's a myth. (laughs) T-Bone, the ladies are going to love you. (laughs) (laughs) So then in the next scene, they're ordering lunch. And of course, George gets the T-Bone steak. He's just a T-Bone kind of guy. Love that (laughs) (laughs) T-Bone. In fact, you might as well call him. That sounds good. I'll have a T-Bone as well. Watkins, you're having a T-Bone? <laughs> I love him. Well, then we should call you T-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> T-Bone. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid, but it makes me laugh every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, too. There's no T in Neil Watkins. Well, there is a T in it, but there's no yeah. T in Neil. <laughs> <laughs> And then we cut to Jerry's apartment, and George walks in looking very defeated. Hey, T-Bone! No T-Bone. No T-Bone? And then I love when Kramer is yelling from the bathroom, Why no T-Bone? <laughs> Why no T-Bone? <laughs> because Neil Watkins from accounting is T-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> Poor George, he just wanted to be called T-Bone. It seems like something he came up with out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we already knew his porno name was Buck Naked. Come up with other aliases, but why T-Bone? Why now? It's a good point. And back at Kruger, this scene is hilarious. I think we'll listen to this one. Excuse me, can I uh, talk to you for a second there, Watkins? It's T-Bone. <laughs> the thing is, I'm supposed to be T-Bone. <laughs> You're not a T-Bone. You're a perfect George. What? <laughs> now you listen to me. Boy, look at George. <laughs> He's giving it the T-bone. He's jumping up and down like some kind of monkey. Hey, what was the name of that uh, that monkey that could read sign language? Right. You can have T-bone. Stop crying. Not crying. And I shouldn't have said that about your wife. Please accept my apologies. Okay, everybody, uh, I have an announcement to make. From now on, I will be known as... Coco the Monkey. (laughs) What? (laughs) I love that Mr. Kruger's employees are arguing at work, and all he's focused on is what the name of the monkey is that George looks like. (laughs) and of course he's holding a banana too just so ridiculous oh i love that little detail yeah and again nobody's getting any work done nothing's happening the company's going down the tubes the whole year (laughs) they're standing around watching watkins and george yeah nobody's (laughs) breaking it up or anything yeah i know i say hey guys let's get back to work then again it's it's kruger's business all he has to do is say oh get out of here Although I will say, I don't think I've ever seen anyone move like that in an argument before. I don't know what George was doing. 
I like later on when George brings it up to Jerry and Jerry's like, well, it's probably the most intelligent ape there is. <laughs> I love the jersey. It's ooh, as an ooh, ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but when Cindy tells George that one of the girls down at the maid service is named Coco, this gives him some hope. Because if he could get this Coco woman down to Kruger, then they wouldn't be able to call him Coco anymore. Because Kruger wouldn't allow two Cocos. Must run a real tight ship down there. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to Coco. Bye, Coco. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, Coco. <laughs> we're clearly in season nine now. <laughs> yeah, we're clearly at the end of season nine now. Yeah. <laughs> this was just where they wanted to put everything that they could into into yeah. an episode. And, and I say that in a loving way, because I love season nine, but it's definitely getting oh. wacky. Oh, yeah, me too. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Larry would not allow for this kind of stuff to go on. Oh, never. And so then George brings Coco down to Kruger. And here it is, Kruger's final scene of the series. Hey, Coco, who's this? Uh, this is our new vice president of acquisitions, sir. So you're just hiring new people now? That's your job, to hire people? Yes. Okay, good enough for me, Coco. <clears throat> now, what's your name? My name is Coco. Coco Higgins. What? Coco. We can't have two Cocos. So I guess you're back to being George. Well, it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> All right. The Grace Building. There's a big stain on the front. How do we get it off? When I was a little girl in Jamaica, my gammy taught me to take a wet rag and in uh, a... Excuse me, uh, Vice President Coco. No, no one cares about your gammy. What did you say about my gammy? Forget gammy. Who's gammy? Th there's no gammy. Maybe there should be a gammy. Oh, no. <laughs> George. Gammy, 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 Gammy's getting upset! <laughs> I like the beginning of this scene when Kruger's like, so you're just hiring people now? That's your job, to hire people? <laughs> yes. Okay, works for me, Coco. <laughs> and then i love how happy kruger looks at the end when he's like george <laughs> at least his character goes out on a high note that's a good point you know even though his company might be going down he's uh he's going down with the ship yeah he's having fun going down with the ship <laughs> yeah and sometimes we like to talk about characters who would have been in the finale and obviously kruger deserved to be there but as we know larry david wrote the finale and he probably wasn't aware of a lot of the new characters from the last two seasons. So unfortunately, Kruger wasn't in the finale, but it would have been nice to see him there. Yeah, I didn't even think of that because I was going to say Kruger should have definitely been in there, at least in that little scene where you see people sort of leaving and or going away to Latham or maybe in the interim, you know, could have just been him sitting somewhere with his flask talking or you know, all by himself or he could have been hanging out playing pool. It would have been neat to see him one more time. But, yeah, like you said, he, he left on a high note. So Yeah, and most of the characters in the finale were from the first seven seasons when Larry was there. I think the only character from the last two seasons that was in the finale was Marcelino. Cockfighting. <laughs> but what do you think ever happened to Kruger? I figure he probably just ended up going down with the ship and uh, maybe had some kind of a golden parachute or just, you know, 
if the family name had been on the company for so long, maybe they owned the building. He was able to sell it, cut his losses. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, there could be some very dark endings there. You know, if his <laughs> company ended up folding and he lost all his money, <laughs> ended up, maybe he ended up like Mr. Heyman. Can't stand you. Can't stand <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be, I would love to see that episode. If Kruger just lost it all, became a bum. Moved to the steps of the 42nd Street Library with Mr. Heyman, and they just traded George stories back and forth. <laughs> yeah, although Kruger would be saying, Gammy, Gammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a lot of fun discussing Mr. Kruger today. He's one of those characters that just makes me laugh no matter what scene he's in. And when you break it all down and go over each episode, you realize the impact he had on the show, even though he was only in four episodes. Just such a memorable character. Oh, yeah. One of the best. And like I said at the beginning, just amazing that he was only in four episodes and he made such an impact and so many memorable scenes and lines. And everybody knows Mr. Kruger. And I think he was really great to have as that final boss. And yeah. um, one more thing before we go. Do you think that uh, if the company was still around after the year that George was in jail, do you think that Kruger took him back? Absolutely. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. Like, I wonder if he even realized he was gone. Like, George, where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things George did to him, for him not to take him back after coming out of jail would make no sense. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good point. But anyway, we thank you for listening to our discussion about Mr. Kruger. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. Oh, damn, I've locked myself out of my office again. (laughs) All right, I'm going home.